0: Hello, my lovely people, and welcome to The Fletcher Files, a Murder, She Wrote podcast with your host, Monty. This week, we will be talking about One White Rose for Death, Season 3, Episode 4, first aired October 19th, 1986. And the IMDb summary reads, while attending a concert in Washington, D.C., Jessica gets involved with two East German defectors and a murder dun 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 let's get into it okay (laughs) so of course first we start with all of the characters we do not have any returners this episode and then we'll get right into this espionage episode so we have margot claymore dr lynch first secretary henry claymore colonel gerhardt bruner Michael Haggerty. Yes. Welcome back, Michael. (laughs) Andrew Wickham, Franz Mueller, Greta Mueller, and Jack Kennedy. So we start off in an office and we see Jack. So we meet Jack first. He is um, a member of MI6. Well, no, I'm sorry, SIS and Michael comes in and his code name for this episode is Dennis McAlvie. And so he is relieving Jack of his duties because Jack who is looking over missile sites is going to be sent to Central America. So in his stead Michael is taking over the local ops operation. So the next scene we're at the airport and Jessica is arriving from I'm guessing Cabot Cove, Maine. Maybe not. You know, she is a world traveler, but she is at the airport in Washington, D.C. And she's met by Andrew Wickham, who is sent by her publishing house. And Jessica's like, oh, it's nice to meet you. But I was expecting Jeffrey Phillips. To which Andrew says, well, he was called to an emergency on the West Coast. Um, an emergency story situation. He's not clear because it's an it's a publishing house. So what real emergency requires him to go to the West Coast? But okay, we're not going to get into details. Let's just move this along. <laughs> okay. And um, so Andrew would be the one who is accompanying... Jessica, this trip. And so she is there to see the farewell concert of Greta Mueller. She said she would not miss it. Andrew's like, it is the event of the year. And after, and the reason is because after Greta performs the end of her tour, so this is her final tour stop. So that's why it's the most important and the biggest event. It's going to be followed by a reception at the estate of senator constable and the prime minister i'm assuming of england is going to be in attendance the honored guest so this is huge right despite the fact that they're in dc this is huge right so the next scene we are outside of the airport and about to get into the limo when Colonel Gerhard Brunner comes up to Jessica and Andrew, specifically Jessica. He introduces himself as Greta's security and he invites her on behalf of Greta to come to the concert hall now to meet her before the concert, which Jessica is honored to do so and immediately agrees. Andrew's giving some whatever. He's not important now okay (laughs) now and so Andrew clues Jessica in although she already knew that Brenner is with the secret police of East Germany so they he's like well she must be super important if they're sending the special services not just regular security to keep an eye on her now side note as we look back on this, after the Berlin Wall came down, right? So we're we're looking at this after that event. Um, clearly, they were concerned about Greta, one of their most famous citizens, who has been on tour around the world. They're concerned she'll defect, right? And so, how is that going to look? So that's why they have the super serious security keeping an eye on her at all times, right? So we know that, well, I think when the show aired, maybe they, no, they wouldn't have known then. Um, We know now (laughs) how, how important this actually is. So the next scene, we are at the concert hall. Greta is practicing. Franz, her older brother, we find out he's the older brother, is playing the piano to accompany her. And there are two people, I don't know. I think they're her security detail part of it. And they're talking while whispering. And she is pissed. She starts yelling at them in German. And I'm like, yes, yes, okay? She is super famous. She is not trying to be a bother, but she needs to rehearse. You can't be out here whispering. Your security, you need to be securing, okay? That's that's what you need to be doing, okay? Now, they didn't translate what she said, but um, I'm sure it was spicy and good for her because y'all need to hush. Y'all out here whispering in the front row, in the front row. Y'all ain't even in the back in the shadows. You in the front row whispering. that She can see you, sir. That's why you got called out. Good. Anyway, <laughs> so Jessica comes in mid rant. And Greta is immediately on her. She is like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy to meet you. I've read every single one of your books. And that has helped me to learn English, which is a great honor. Not for nothing. That's a great honor. But also, does that mean that her books are not in German? I'm guessing or they are, but they're on the West Germany side and not the East Germany side so she her only option was to get the books in English and that was probably while she was on tour outside of Germany yeah okay I'll try not to get so deep into each of these issues (laughs) about that but that's interesting so anyway she introduces her that being Jessica to Franz who is very short with her and I'm like dude you are a jerk and I'm going to need you to comment all the way down. Not for nothing. Your sister is the star here and you are riding on her coattails. Now, I actually do not have a problem with Franz on the overall, right? So don't get me wrong. I don't dislike him as a character. But right now, the person that he is displaying, I don't like him. I don't, mm -mm, no, I don't like him. Calm down. Know your place, sir. Okay. (laughs) So the next scene, we are at a restaurant with Jessica, who is on the phone making some call. We don't know to who, what, where, why. Um, But we see her in the background on the phone. Andrew, Franz, and Greta are at the table. And this is where... We find out from Franz that Greta really isn't into politics, right? So she is unaware of what's going on, people defecting, why they defect, and what's going on with the West, West Germany government, the East Germany government, etc. So we also now meet Michael Haggerty, who is Dennis McElvey. And he is a reporter in this episode. This is his cover story. And Franz is like, yes, of course, we will give you an interview, my sister and I, backstage after the concert. Yes, yes, sir, yes. So he, his whole demeanor has changed, and Greta's kind of taken aback, even though I'm sure that she is on board with giving an interview because, you know, she seems like she enjoys this whole situation. Like, not just playing the violin. And, you know, but just being around people and being outside and free and mingling and stuff like that. She seems like this is her scene. And that she would do that for her fans to to give an interview. But she's surprised how quickly Franz says yes and is how enthused he is about it. And we'll find out why soon enough. Right? So... As Jessica is coming back from the phone, she sees Michael, but before she can say his name, he stands up and says, Yes, Dennis McElvey. You know, we've met before, blah, blah, blah. And she catches what he is throwing and goes right along with it. And so he's like, Yeah, I did an interview of her a few years ago or however he put it. And she's like, Yes, for the BBC. He's like, No, for the whatever paper he allegedly works for she's like oh yes how could i forget mm-hmm. great to see you what you, i'm so surprised to see you uh as am i so they both play it off so well like both of them amazing yes jessica for reading all of the signals michael was throwing okay <laughs> And so the next scene, Jessica is in her hotel room unpacking when there's a knock on the door and it's Michael. And so he says that he's there on an assignment for the government. Now, when we first met Michael, it was in Widow Weep For Me, another one of my faves. And he was there on behalf of Antoinette Farnsworth's super rich father, right? And he also informed us that he was working for MI6 and he would do projects here and there. And so that's what Jessica assumed that he was there on behalf of MI6. However, he's like, no, I'm kind of working for SIS now. I do not know the difference. So both of them are under Her Majesty's order. That's all I know. Okay, so great. But... uh, (laughs) Michael's like, yeah, 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 that's cute. I'm here. You're here. So um, when are we going to go on that date? <laughs> <So> <laughs> She's like, uh, sir, I have not seen you in over a year. So you just disappear off this planet. And you're like, uh, why haven't we gone out on a date? Like, dude, you've been like undercover or whatever. So you're the spy. You should have popped up in Cabot Cove like you said you was going to pop up. So... <laughs> He's like, okay, but we can fix that. She's like, well, listen, I'm only here for one night. And it was for this concert. And he's like, yes, I will be in attendance. So after the concert, I we're going to the reception. And then after the reception, I'm about to come through. And I'm sure we're both going to be on our worst behavior. And I'm like, oh, wait, wait hold up, Michael Haggerty, sir, agent, Mr wow okay and Jessica was like all right then hey watch out there now so (laughs) when I tell you he is smooth with it he is smooth with it and so (laughs) the next scene we are at the concert hall and Greta and Franz are preparing to go out and Greta is complaining about how overbearing Colonel Bruner is But, of course, we understand that because he is afraid that she's going to defect. And so he does not want her around anyone that they haven't vetted to ensure that they are not going to be an issue, a distraction, uh, or a source of, you know, helping her to escape. So that's why. And Franz is like, uh, okay, so yeah, I'm going to go speak with that British journalist, that being Michael. And um, then I'll speak to Brunner. I'll, I'll speak to him about how overbearing he is. Okay, I'll get to it. Okay, bye, love you. Okay, let's do this. And so he walks off. He goes over to Michael and Michael says, Ilsa hasn't been seen since this morning. And Franz says, well, I don't think that she would betray me. She wouldn't betray me. So now we know that there's something going on with Franz and the British government. So he... It makes sense that he is connected to Michael and that's why he was willing to do that interview. We don't know at this point what the full story is, but we know that there is some deeper level of connection between Franz and Michael slash the SIS. So... The next scene, we're back in the office with Jack. He gets a phone call and he says that he'll contact him himself. And so the next scene, Jack is at the concert hall. Well, he's pulling up to the concert hall. He goes in and he speaks with Michael. And now this is observed by Colonel Bruner. So he is on alert and we don't hear what it is. We don't know what it is, but they're off to the side and we see that the colonel sees him. And Greta begins to play her portion of the concert. The next scene, we're at the intermission and Jessica and Andrew are speaking. When Michael comes up, he is sweating bullets, okay? And he's like, we gotta go. We gotta go. I called your limo. Let's go. Let's go. And Andrew is like, um, it's only the intermission. I want to see the whole thing. Like, what are you even doing? What are you talking about? Who are you, journalist man? And... Jessica's like Michael or I don't actually I I, did she call him Michael at this point she might have I don't know but she then sees that he's bleeding from his hand like from further up his arm but you can see blood dripping down his hand she's like oh my god Michael are you you're injured and he pulls out a gun under his jacket but they can see it but it's kind of hidden from the general audience And he's like, I said, get out. We got to go. We got to go get in the limo. So at gunpoint, he takes them outside to their limo. As they're getting in the limo, Andrew makes eye contact with the driver, stops for like 10 seconds. There's a look of recognition. And then he gets in. Well, it's a look of confusion and somewhat recognition. Like, you know, like when you see somebody that looks kind of familiar, but it's out of context from what you know them as then it it takes a while so if let's say you know police officers and then you see a police officer outside their uniform just hanging out and you're like uh that face looks familiar but like out of context I'm not sure so there was a look of recognition because the person kind of looked familiar but since it was out of context confusion so you know what I mean we've all been there But they get into the limo and um, the driver is not Andrew's driver because it was Andrew's limo or the limo provided by the publishing house that took them there. So he's like, that's not my driver. Where's my driver? And Michael's like, "Ah, stop asking questions. Shut it down, okay? We are going to drop you guys off and keep it moving. So at that point, Jack, who was the driver... He is also an SIS agent, right? He's like, okay, no, we can't drop them off because look, and so Michael is facing the back. He's in the back of the limo and he's facing the the back of the vehicle. And he looks and Colonel Brunner is following him with two other German officers. And so they're like, okay, we can't do this. So he calls from the car phone to the British Embassy in D.C. And he speaks with the first secretary who is super nonchalant because he's just answering the phone at like 11 o'clock at night. Well, no, I don't even think it was that late. Was it? What time? I don't know what time the concert started. Assuming the concert started at 8, which is reasonable. Then the intermission would be at like, let's say 9.15. As if it was an opera That was three hours. Okay. So let's say 9 15 is the intermission. So it's like nine o'clock at night. Like the house is kind of still up. So he picks up the phone and he's all nonchalant. He's like, ah, we have a skeleton crew. So I don't know what you're going to do. And so Michael is like, okay, no, you're going to have the gates open for us. I am a British citizen and I am demanding asylum right now or sanctuary. He says, sanctuary right now and so when we get there if those gates are closed this driver is going to drive through them so it is up to you he's like the gates will be open and in fact he calls down immediately to ensure that the gates are open and when I tell you they had seconds to spare seconds to spare as soon as they got that gate open that limo came flying around the corner it comes in and the other car was kind of still going straight it hadn't started to make the turn so they were able to close the gate but they knew it was the embassy and so they were definitely not going to drive up on the embassy because that is British territory at that point so they didn't want any smoke like that okay (laughs) like not that they anyway they didn't want an international incident okay (laughs) so they were just this being the East German officers including the colonel Are in a car across the street looking seeing that they went into the embassy and I'm assuming they drove back off to get back to the concert hall because they're assuming that this was a distraction let's get back there when they pull up into right to the front of the door of the embassy everyone gets out they Michael is like take them meaning Jessica and Andrew into the house and as Jessica's trying to figure out what's going on everyone's trying to shuffle around the trunk is popped open and Franz and Greta get out of the trunk I'm like wait what okay. <laughs> they were in the trunk while the limo driver is just like grand theft auto out there trying to avoid the East German officers oh my gosh that had to be terrible <laughs> it's awful so when Michael goes in the first secretary is already like outside waiting for him to get an explanation and the first secretary is like I'm going to call the ambassador and Michael's like do not call the ambassador until I find out what's going on and give you the okay. So the first secretary is like eh, you know I'm that's what I'm going to do. Okay. <laughs> he's like give me a doctor too. So there is apparently just a doctor on staff at the embassy. Like okay, great. And so they, the doctor is like, you're lucky it was a through and through. Meaning that the bullet entered and exited through his arm and did not cause any additional damage. So it's not in there where they have to take it out or it could just be floating around and causing more damage. It It went in, it came out and they can fix it the best they can now. Like he's not going to bleed out and die. So Jessica is in the room with him like... What did you do? You brought us here at gunpoint. Like, I don't even understand. You're not telling me what's going on. And he's like, you're asking me questions that I cannot answer. Like, not because I don't know the answers, but because I can't reveal the answers to you at this time. But the fact is, I needed to force you out so that you would have deniability. So you could say that you were forced to do this, which a lot of situations that Michael gets Jessica involved in require him to force her at gunpoint <laughs> so, that, so that she has deniability. Oh my goodness. Like although I I really do like I love their dynamic. I love their dynamic. I do give Michael a lot of passes. I think he's a great character. But dude, You really got to have her like, and we'll see him in more episodes. Like she is always in some trouble because of Michael and his lack of communication. (laughs) Like if you want to get me involved, you got to tell me what's going on. I don't care about no secret service and nothing. I don't care about confidentiality. You need to tell me if I'm in this mess now tell me okay because I need to know who I can trust and who I can't trust but I'm going to need you to trust me at least because you got me in this situation and I can't blame her for that I can't blame her for that (laughs) so Jessica leaves him alone because he don't want to answer no questions and you could tell that he doesn't relish in this Like he's not like ha I can't tell you what's going on you just have to suffer but he's really trying to He's really in a place where he's between a rock and a hard place because he does trust Jessica. He wants to be able to tell her, but he has to figure out what's going on and what the next steps are, even though she can help him do that, in all honesty. But you know what? He was just shot. Let let's really take it to the basics. He was just shot. So maybe he needs some time. To you know, get his self back together before he can explain the whole thing. So, I'm gonna give him some grace. I'm gonna give him some grace. Besides the fact that I, I really like this character, so <laughs> he's gonna get grace anyway. So, the next scene: Jessica is walking back to the parlor where everybody else is. And we have Jack on the phone and he's asking about details for the White Rose investigation or case, right? So she hears it as well as the first secretary's wife, Margot. Now, I'll take it back a second. When Michael called the embassy... And the first secretary was speaking with him and then hung up. His wife, Margot, came down and she was already ready for bed. And he's like, oh, why aren't you in bed? I'm like, what is she, 10? Like, why? (laughs) He's like, why aren't you in bed? Go and lay down. It's fine. She's like, "Uh, so if people are coming over, I'm not going to just be up in bed in my nightgown. Just what? I I am the lady of the house at this point. So I'm going to go upstairs and, and get myself together. I'm like, what time is her bedtime? <laughs> you woke? Why can't she be awake and out and, and hanging out with you? And now these people coming in the house. <laughs> it was like, why aren't you in bed? Because I'm grown. That's why I'm not in bed. <laughs> anyway, so now she's coming down the stairs. She has gotten cleaned up and dressed and everything. And I'm like, wait a second. This is her. Entertaining surprise guest outfit. She just had this dress on deck. She just had the ability to put her makeup and her hair together. Like, bam. I am going to like some gala. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Listen, if I have surprise guests, it's gonna be a t-shirt and some jeans. Okay, now it's gonna be clean and pressed, I'll tell you that much, but it's gonna be a t-shirt and some jeans. Maybe a long-sleeve t-shirt if it's cold. I don't have just a straight up ball gown just on deck. (laughs) I love it though. I love that she was like, "Mm, I'm about to stunt on these people at 10 o'clock at night. Okay. But you know, the fact that she didn't know where they were coming from either. So she didn't know that they were coming from this, you know, farewell concert for this highly regarded international violinist. So she didn't know that they were going to be dressed up. So when she comes down, she's like, am I overdressed? I'm like, it's your house. You can wear whatever you want in your house and you looking great. So <laughs> don't even be concerned. Okay. Anyway, so Margo and Jessica um, start to speak and um, she, being Margo, notices Jessica's necklace and she recognizes it as a Cameroonian style necklace that it's from Cameroon in Africa. And Cameroon is in Central Africa. I looked that up because she said, oh, I'm from that area of Africa. We find out later that she is from Rhodesia in Africa, a country on the continent of Africa. Yes, Africa is not a country. It is a continent. There is an entire book about that. So <laughs> so now we're in the parlor with Most of the people. And we find out from Greta that she did not want to defect. She does not understand what's going on. She said two men burst into her dressing room and killed one of, or at least shot. We don't know if he's dead or not. We, We never find out. But shot one of her security guards and took her out at gunpoint and threw her in the trunk of a limo and now she's at the British embassy in DC and she's like what is going on like I just want to finish my concert and go back to Germany like that's what I want to do I don't understand what is going on and so everybody's like uh uh what okay um this is a problem (laughs) she's like so I was kidnapped so I could stay in this country I want to go back home like I'm cool what's going on over there because I'm not in politics I get to play my violin everywhere in the world I'm good I'm good I'm good now this is a problem and you know what the fact is that this is traumatizing you know you were taken at gunpoint and thrown in the trunk and you talking you find out that they're trying to I don't even know if they can defect you like on your behalf like that's kidnapping at that point, they, they've kidnapped you to, um, to force, to allow you not to have to go back to East Germany, though you actually want to, no one asked her what she wanted to do, long story short, we find out why this happened, and it makes sense, but nobody told her what was going on, which caused her to have this super traumatic situation happen where she's taken at gunpoint and thrown in the trunk with her brother. So like, how, how absolutely horrific is that? You were just on top of the world, literally like doing what you love to do on an intermission and then you're kidnapped. And everybody is just okay with it. <laughs> like everybody's just like, "Hey, what's up? Okay, can I get some tea? What? They had me in the trunk. Like, where are the police? Like, where are the police? I want to go home." And Andrew's over there, like, um, so, cause Margot offers food, and he's like, "Well, actually, if if you could, uh, I am hungry." <laughs> I'm like, okay. I understand people deal with stressful situations differently but sir sir right so the first secretary is like yeah we don't have any staff right now like i did not expect people so we don't have a staff right now and so um Margot is like, yeah, I'll figure it out. I, I just got here this morning. Ah, that's why he was like, why aren't you in bed? Because she had literally just come from, I'm guessing Africa. Uh, I don't know where she, I don't think, no, she was coming from London. She grew up in London. So she's coming from London there and she got there this morning. So yeah, I understand because her time would be off, even though you don't get jet lag going the other way, right? yeah whatever anyway that's why he was like why aren't you in bed because she had been probably traveling since the night before to get there that morning but ever the hostess she's like yeah no I'll I'll mess around in there and figure something out (laughs) in that beautiful dress all right girl you know what I like you even more okay (laughs) so Jessica's like oh can I help she's like no it's fine it's fine I'm sure they got peanut butter and crackers somewhere around. Here. <laughs> she didn't say that, but you know that's what she was thinking. Like, I'm about to get these people some dry crackers and cheese. That's what we're about to have. Y'all want to just pop up wearing this pretty dress. We're not doing any sauces, okay? <laughs> so now everybody is trying to like leave. So Andrew is like, listen, um, we ain't had nothing to do with this. Can we go? Can Jessica and I go? We're free to leave, right? And so Michael is like, no, the East Germans are looking for the Muellers, that being Franz and Greta. No one can leave. It is not safe. Now, I'm looking at Michael like, so the first secretary who lives there, who lives upstairs, could not loan him a shirt. He out here with dried blood on his shirt and he put the vest back on over it. He put the vest on and a bloody sleeve shirt okay like come on now y'all couldn't give him a shirt see y'all did Seth wrong in the last episode and then let him bathe but you couldn't let him borrow a shirt a button down a night shirt nothing nothing that is terrible like I understand they just popped up but if your wife could go upstairs and put on a whole ball gown face of makeup and do her hair You could have asked her, "Uh, sweetheart, can you run upstairs real quick and get this man a shirt that does not have blood on it? (laughs) But the thing that trips me out is that Michael went ahead and put his vest back on. Like he, like, sir, you do not need to put two of the three pieces of that suit back together when there is literally dried blood on your arm because you were shot. It's okay to be there in your tank top. But I guess because there were women there, he didn't want to be there with his arms out. I don't know. I don't know. He didn't want to be there with his uh, his chest out like that. Okay, fine. Then someone run upstairs and get him a t-shirt so he can cover his... You know, he can be modest if he would like to. But I'm going to need him not to have a bloody shirt on. That's too much. That's too much. Anyway. So, Andrew is trying to pull you know, some sort of card. He's like, he is a close personal friend with the labor minister's cousin. What? No, let me, one more time now. Close personal friend with the labor minister's cousin. What? <laughs> not the cousin, not the cousin. What, on the mom's side or the dad's side? First cousin, second cousin, third cousin. Do they go to family events? Because there are different levels of cousins out here uh that don't mean nothing okay nothing not the cousin at least at least the brother or the sister something the mother at least because then you could get then you have some sway most likely but not the cousin so michael was like i don't care if you're sleeping with his sister ain't nobody going nowhere (laughs) true true that's not the actual labor minister and even if he knew the labor minister personally right and played golf with him or whatnot, like he does with the cousin uh that ain't gonna make no difference here in granted it's British soil but you know what I mean here thousands of miles away on the other side of the pond it don't mean nothing I don't care uh Ain't nobody going nowhere. There is an investigation going on. Okay. I was shot. Okay. We got to protect the Mueller's. Okay. So, uh, the first secretary got, had to go to the code room. It was, there was a message for his eyes only. And so he then goes off to the code room and the next scene, jessica and michael are in a separate room speaking with each other and she is upset because he does not trust her enough to tell her what's going on and i 100 percent, agree if you are going to pull me out of a theater at gunpoint and you out here bleeding and we got to run from east german officers uh in america like straight up in washington dc and make like a skidding turn into the british embassy um I'm going to need some details. I'm going to need some details. Now, I understand you ain't want to tell me in front of everybody, but you could have asked the doctor to leave and we could have finished our conversation earlier because you owe me an explanation. And in this case, I agree. So he says that for the past three years, Franz has been working for the SIS. And so the police... The East German police murdered Franz's wife three years ago. And it was made to look like an auto accident. Franz pretended like he believed that that was all it was. But he started to work for SIS. I'm guessing immediately after realizing that they killed her. Now, the reason... They have for killing her, he believes it's because she was a free thinker, as Michael says, similar to Jessica. So she wasn't about that communist lifestyle. She was like, No, sir, there's more out there. Now I'm like, Why didn't you just move out of Germany with her? Not for nothing. They do speak English. Like, why didn't you get her out of there? I understand you love your family and stuff like that. But if she out here like this ain't for me and perhaps she was outspoken, which I'm guessing because how they going to know she a free thinker unless she's outspoken? So if she outspoken, you re- I'm sorry, you failed her because y'all should have moved out of East Germany immediately after getting married and perhaps she would still be alive. But OK, she's not. That didn't work out. So two years ago, they figured out how Franz could help SIS the best. And so he started dating high-level East German women. So those who were in the government or government adjacent. And he was then giving information to the British government. And this person, Ilsa Steiner, was one of the ladies that he was, you know hanging out with. And she is an intelligence agent for the East Germans, right? And she was seen walking into a police station in East Berlin earlier that day, right? So she had originally disappeared. They then were able to track her down. And when they did, they saw her walking into an East Berlin police station. So Michael is like, we got to keep them Once she disappeared, we had to expedite this, right? We had to get him into protective custody. And clearly his sister had to go too because they would have taken the sister and she would have had to pay for, in whatever form, pay for her brother being a spy, So they did not know where Ilsa was. Now they knew she went to the police station and they're waiting to hear if she turned him in. If so, then they definitely, he definitely has to defect. Like he cannot go back tortured and murdered. So that's not really an option. At this point, the first secretary walks in and he says, well, we now know. And that call was telling me that they want Franz, that Brunner has been given orders to bring Franz back to Germany to face charges of espionage. So now we know that Ilsa did go to the police and what she told the police was that Franz was a spy for the British government. So now it's it's a no-go. They cannot return at this point. So the next scene, Michael tells... No, I think at this point, Michael tells the first secretary to call the ambassador and the prime minister that he needs Franz and Greta kept here for political asylum at this point. Like, it is clear he cannot go back. And since his sister could be held accountable for... His defection, she can't go back either. So, the next scene, we're outside and Greta is out there and she's really distraught. And Jessica is explaining to her because nobody has told her what is going on. And I could not imagine being in that place where it's like, you've been kidnapped, um, this man has been shot, one of your security guards was shot in front of you and may be dead. And no one's telling you anything. So Jessica, understanding this, explains to her that Franz has been betrayed to the police by a woman that he was seeing. And so he needs Greta now more than ever. Like, no, he didn't explain all that was happening and what, you know, his part in this was, But now that she knows, it's like he needs you. Just like he was there for you, you need to be there for him now. In whatever capacity you can, even though you don't fully understand what's going on. So as they're returning to the house, Greta trips over something. They turn around and it's Jack. He is dead and he is clutching in his hands a white rose. Now there are several white roses around. Like I don't know, is that... The English rose? Like, is that the rose of England? And that's why they have a bunch of white roses? I don't know. Let me know. Um, but yes, he's holding one in his hand. And so the doctor comes and checks on him. And he says that he was stabbed in the chest with some sharp object, perhaps an ice pick. But the fact is he died instantaneously. And so... Michael is asking questions, and I think that it's one of two things. Either one, he wants to know if Jack said anything to the killer, you know, and two, or two, that he's trying to find out um, if he suffered, or three, he's trying to find out if Jack purposely picked up the white rose. Or if the killer placed the white rose in his hands. I think that it might be the third option to see if to make a decision. Is this something that the killer is directing us to? Or is this a message from Jack? um, His last effort to to let us know before he died. And so we find out when Michael and Jessica are speaking to each other again alone in a room. He says that he feels, well, actually not alone in the room. They're in the room, which is Dr. Lynch's office. And that is where Jack is, uh, his body is. So Michael is torn up about this because he says that he's the one who got Jack involved. That 20 years ago, Jack was studying finance in college and he comes from a long line of stuffy bankers. And the fact is that he had a banker's face. So he was unassuming. And that was the perfect cover. For An agent because you don't want to be ostentatious. You don't want to stand out. You don't want people to remember you at all. You have to be nondescript so that you can take on whatever assignment, whatever personality, whatever cover you need to. And people aren't going to look at you and say, that is an agent. And that's the thing. There are a lot of police officers that will be in plain clothes. And you're like, that's clearly a police officer. That's clearly somebody in law enforcement. You know what I mean? So they don't want someone who looks like that. And Jack was the perfect person to do that. And Michael was like, you know, yes, he was young. Like I was super young when I got involved as well. So I'm guessing like maybe he was scouted at like 18 or something like that. So he's like, I think Jack might've been like 18 or 19. I don't know if he said how old Jack was when he met him and convinced him to get into the service, but I can understand feeling bad. It, at the end of the day, you know this is a possibility. But when it actually happens and one of your friends and partners and, you know, comrades and eight fellow agents are murdered, you know, and kind of on your watch, too, then this is doubly difficult for Michael. And I, I definitely understand him being upset about it. So... Jessica comes in with a clearer head and she's like okay he was clutching a white rose and he was signaling us perhaps to ID the killer because I heard him on the phone asking about the white rose investigation so do you guys have an operation called white rose and Michael says yes we had one about nine years ago in South Africa there was a." anti-apartheid activist Benjamin Kumbasa who needed a security detail and Jack was part of that detail however Kumbasa was assassinated although he was guarded by SIS and Jessica's like I heard about that um that he was killed and so Michael says, yes, he was stabbed to death in a public square. The killer ran off and was never caught. Now, Michael is putting two and two together and it's like, oh my goodness, the person who killed Kumbasa is here and he recognized Jack and that's why he murdered Jack. Now, he doesn't say any of this, but you kind of see he ha- he's having an epiphany at this point. So the next scene... The people are getting restless in the parlor and I I don't know, I think it's Andrew who was like, where are the police? Where are the police? And the doctor says the police have no jurisdiction on embassy property. This is British land right here. So it's our own security and our own, you know, her majesty's service that would handle anything that happens on this property, including that murder. And so we're back in the office and Jessica is talking to the first secretary and he's like, she's asked like, oh, your wife is from Africa. And he's like, yeah, she's from Rhodesia. Like, how, how did you know? And she's like, oh, well, did you meet her in Rhodesia? And he's like, no, actually, I met her in London where she grew up. So um, what's this questioning? And she kind of leaves it at that. She rejoins Michael And we find out that she wants to look into the doctor because he graduated from, I'm assuming, a medical school in South Africa in June of 1976. Now, um, Kumbasa was killed in April of 1976. So the doctor would have been in South Africa at that time. So... You know, he is a possibility and he's in-house. He was there. He would have had the ability to murder Jack uh, upon recognizing him. Although I don't think Jack came in the house, right? So I'm thinking about this. I don't think Jack came in the house for them to have seen him because he was the limo driver. But I guess, no, the doctor wasn't even there outside when they were trying to figure out and everyone's running around, Keystone cop type, uh, getting the... Mueller's out of the trunk. So I don't know when the doctor would have seen him to recognize him to know that he needed to murder him before his identity was revealed. But it is suspicious that both of these people, even though Rhodesia is in Central Africa, which is a long way from South Africa, but okay, Africa is a continent and the countries can be very far apart. So, (laughs) But okay, that could be considered suspicious so we're now back in the parlor and the sergeant major says that the Mueller's are being requested to come to the first secretary's office leaving andrew andrew's like what's going on i'm a british citizen blah, blah blah and the sergeant is like uh i'm just following orders okay thanks goodbye and so The next scene, we're in Dr. Lynch's office and Jessica points out the discoloration around his mouth and his nails indicating that he was poisoned. So the conclusion is that whatever he was stabbed with was poisoned as well. So it wasn't the stab that killed him. It was the poison that was on the sharp instrument that killed him. And so Jessica concludes that he must have recognized the assassin of Kumbasa and that is why he had to be murdered. So the assassin recognized him and he recognized the assassin. So Michael confirms that or informs us that Dr. Lynch was actually part of the anti-apartheid movement while he was studying medicine in Africa, so he was on the same side as Kumbasa, and really would not have had a reason to murder him, But that could have been a cover to get close to Kumbasa to kill him as well. so so the next scene we are in the first secretary's office with Franz and Greta, and he gets a call from Colonel Bruner telling him that the Mueller's parents were taken into custody. And this was done to ensure that both of them return to East Berlin. And so Greta is overcome with emotion and she's like, you can't do this, you know, and she shouts out. So now he knows that they're there. Well, as it well, no, he didn't know that they were in the trunk, but now he knows for sure that they're at the embassy. So they hang up and Michael is like, yeah, we tried to get your parents, but they got to them before our agents could um, remove them safely and put them into hiding so Franz is like listen we have to go back that that's just it whatever they do to me I don't care you know this this has gone too far I'll go back and Greta is like no they're gonna throw you in jail or kill you you mean and kill you but okay fine and Franz is like we have no other choice just call Brunner have him pick us up and that's it And Michael says, no one leaves until this murder is solved. Y'all want to go and you want to sacrifice yourself for your parents. That's good and all. And we could do that in a moment as long as you ain't the person who murdered Jack. What we about to do is find out who murdered Jack before we talking about turning you into the uh, East German police department. Okay, that's what we're going to do. So in the next scene, Jessica and Michael are trying to figure out what their next steps are going to be. And so Jessica says that she is going to go speak with Margot, And um, she also wants to check Dr. Lynch's file. She asked Michael to check Dr. Lynch's file because she's still not sure about him. So Jessica goes to speak with Margo and she tells her that she's from Rhodesia. Her mother was a light-skinned African woman who was, um, assaulted by an unknown European. Well, and it could, it could have, it, it sounds like it might've been multiple, um, at the time. So it was unclear who the father of her child was. All Margot knows is that after the assault, her mother became pregnant She had Margot, and at the age of three, her and her mother were sent to London where her mother opened a flower shop and they wanted for nothing. Meaning that they did not have any problems with money. um, Assuming that whoever believed they impregnated her um, were paying her bills for the mother and the child. But they were moved to London and kept in London. So then Jessica asks about the assassination of Kumbasa, and that occurred 10 years ago. So Margot responds that 10 years ago, she was in London working at her mother's flower shop. So she was nowhere near Africa, specifically South Africa. The first secretary says that he was posted in Hong Kong 10 years ago. Michael then walks in and says, well, Dr. Lynch has an alibi as well, because when the murder happened, he was in a South African jail, having been arrested for a protest on anti-apartheid. So now the suspects are really dwindling down. So the next scene, we're in the lounge and Jessica has figured out who the murderer is because... We're coming down. We got like five minutes left. So, So of course, she's figured it out. So, in the lounge, we have Jessica, Michael, Franz, Greta, Dr. Lynch, First Secretary, Margot, and Andrew. So, we find out from Jessica that the Prime Minister is on a plane back to Europe. It's too dangerous for him to have remained in the United States. She then drops the bomb about the fact that she called her publisher because she was concerned about Jeffrey Phillips. And she was informed that they have no knowledge of an emergency assignment in on the West Coast, which honestly, what emergency could they have had for a publisher? Okay. <laughs> and they don't have anyone on the West Coast to handle this? Yeah, I doubt that. Anyway, and so that they then sent the police to Jeffrey's home because Jeffrey lives in Washington, D.C. and that's why he was going to be Jessica's attache. They broke into his apartment and found him strangled to death in his bed. So now everybody's looking at Andrew like, "Uh, excuse me, sir, Uh, you are the murderer. So Andrew's like, oh, Mrs. Fletcher, I don't know whatever do you mean as he's pulling out his pipe, right? He's been smoking a pipe throughout. And so Michael comes up because he has the quick hand because yes, Michael, the spy, he grabs it, pulls it apart and we see that there is a sharp object hidden in the pipe. And I'm sure that it at one point have poison on it if it doesn't still have poison on it. So they hold Andrew and I assume... That they detain him until the local Washington, D.C. police come. And so the next scene, it is later in the morning because the sun is now up. They're still in their outfits from the night before. Um, I think Michael is in a jacket, so we can't tell if he still has that bloody shirt on, but you know he does. Like, gross. And so. Jessica was upset because like we see Andrew being arrested and things like that. But Jessica is upset because he used her and her invitation to the after party in order to get to the prime minister. So Andrew's job was to murder the prime minister. He had previously, while in Africa, murdered Kumbasa and he recognized Jack As They were getting into the limo and was concerned that he had been recognized, identified, and would be handled as such as an assassin, right? As an assassin, sorry. And so that's why he had to murder Jack because Jack recognized him. Now, we don't know if Andrew knew that Jack had made that call requesting information about White Rose because... We also don't know whether Andrew knew that White Rose was the name of the investigation or operation. And so I think if he did, he probably would have removed the White Rose from Jack's hand, but he probably didn't stay there long enough to to see what was going on. Probably just stabbed him and ran back into the house to continue his cover as Andrew Wickham from the publishing office. So... Jessica was like, but how did he expect to get away? Like if this all worked out and he stabbed with a poison sharp object, the prime minister, he would have died immediately. How did he expect to get away? Even if this lockdown defection didn't get in the way, how did he expect to do that? And Michael brings Jessica back into the house saying he didn't expect to get away. So this... Was uh, a mission that he was not going to come home from. But it was more important to kill the prime minister of England than his life. So Michael was like, Michael says, well, how did you know? Like, please explain to me how you knew it was Andrew. And she said, I didn't until I heard back about Jeffrey being found murdered. She says something about, you know, Andrew talking about all his travels, including in Africa and makes a comment and relates it back to how Michael said that, you know, agents really kind of be, have to be nondescripts and, and things like that. I didn't make the connection between that, that, okay, so he didn't seem like an agent because he was, um very talkative and talked about his travels and gave specific examples. I I don't understand how that went together. But the fact is that um, this was a good episode. So we had two different storylines going along. Now, the second (laughs) storyline. So the first one was the defection which resulted in Jack and Andrew meeting and recognizing each other. Therefore, Andrew had to kill Jack so that he could, that being Andrew, kill the prime minister at the after party. So the defection that was triggered by Isla going and telling the police about Franz threw everything into a tizzy so if everything worked out as andrew wanted it to work out then the concert would have been completed they then would have gone to the after party he would have murdered the prime minister and then i guess been killed himself or whatnot and been considered a hero by whoever hired him i guess On the other end, if everything worked out for the Muellers, things running smoothly for the Muellers would have been, the concert would have been a success, the party would have been a success, and they would have went back to Germany. Franz would have continued to wine and dine high-level East German women, and Greta would have continued her celebrity career as a classical world-renowned violinist so that would be in a perfect world not a perfect world because the prime minister would have been murdered so the, not so great but for the Mueller's, it would have been so now let's see how their story ends so the colonel comes in and greta has found her backbone okay i knew she had this sass in her the whole time but she said this is what's going to happen okay I am going to go back to Germany, okay? You're gonna release my parents, yes. And my brother, my poor misguided brother is going to defect to America. That's it, he's staying, I'm going, that's it. That's your only option, that's your only choice. That's what we're going to do. So... The colonel's like, I don't think so. And she's like, uh, so I could just stay here, you know, and how's that going to look for East Germany? How's that going to look for you? And he's like, yeah, okay, I'll take what I can get. And so, of course, he's going to take that because he knows that if he comes back without one of their most famous citizens because she's defected to the United States. They are going to torture and murder him as they would have Franz had he come back, okay? So he's like, I would like to live, okay? You know, being alive is super great. So I am going to take what she has offered. So they get into the car. Franz stays in the embassy, Greta gets into the limo with the colonel and as they're driving off Jessica is like oh my goodness you have to do something and Michael says of course it's already in the works like don't even worry about it we got you we're taking care of it so that's how it ends now hopefully you know at some point the The wall comes down in Berlin. So, you know, there's that. And Germany unites and and things are better there now. So, you know, things work out in the end in real life. But here, I hope that they're able to get her and her parents. It seems like that might be her only family there. So hopefully once the parents are released, they'll go get them out of the country, go scoop her up. Um, And then they'll be back together and safe outside of um, East Germany. So that's that on that. A really good episode. I think they handled both storylines well. I was not annoyed by anybody. So, (laughs) okay. (laughs) There is no mayor powers in this one. Um, Although, again, they didn't have to do Michael like that. Having him wear that bloody shirt the entire time, that was completely unsanitary. But other than that, a great episode. I love Michael Haggerty. I love Jessica Fletcher and their dynamic. It was great here. So, a win for everybody. Anyway... So next week, we will be talking about corn, beef, and carnage. Okay, so, all right, I am just going to tell you, there are certain people who super annoy me. So be well prepared for the annoyance. Now, I don't think anyone annoyed me to the point where I will not discuss them at all, just that I will be very critical of them. So be prepared, but we're going to have some laughs. Um, We're not going to have some corned beef and cabbage, however, um, but we'll have a good time nonetheless. So until next week, You can find me on Instagram at the Fletcher Files Pod on Instagram, on Facebook at the Fletcher Files Pod Facebook page, and of course, on Patreon at the Fletcher Files Pod on Patreon. Link in the description box. All right. So you guys hit me up. I did have a question out there. Uh, Go ahead and answer that question. I don't remember what it was. Or just say, hey, Um, let me know if you love this episode, like this episode. If anything confused you, perhaps I can uh, help with that. No promises at all. Otherwise, I will see you right back here next Sunday at 5 p.m. for Corned Beef and Carnage. Until then, have an amazing week. Bye.